What's the greatest obstacle or challenge facing you on your path to becoming financially free? For most of us, it's the time it takes to even focus on it. We're so busy with our lives that we don't even know where to start. Come join Joey and I and the team in Nashville, Tennessee, August 9th through the 11th, as we break down the different ways that you can become financially free and introduce you to different strategies and speakers who can help you on that first step. You have questions? This event is designed to give you the answers, to take action fast, to turn the decades it's taken us to learn this and turn them into days. Don't hesitate. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash live. And don't forget to use the promo code podcast to get a deep discount. Hey, Russ here. A few of the most common questions we get on a weekly basis or I hear from our live events is, am I too old to do IBC? Or maybe it's framed a little bit different. Like, does the whole life policy system work for me to become my own banker if I'm in poor health or uninsurable? Or maybe for a few of you overachievers, I hear kind of a, a different variation on it is, who all can I buy life insurance on? How can I expand my system by insuring other people? Well, today we're going to cover those questions under the title and premise of what if I'm uninsurable? We're going to talk about who all you can insure and how do the ownership's rights work in those specific situations. As well, we're going to break down some of the wins, right? Who are the wins for you as an owner, but also wins for those that you may be insuring around this process. All of these questions are going to be addressed in this episode that was previously recorded during our Becoming Your Old Banker book review series. This is episode 17 of 18. Let's enjoy the jokes and jump in right now. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Joey, we are so close, so close to being finished to the Becoming Your Own Banker book review. We're sitting here in the chapter that's titled, What If I Am Uninsurable? Yeah, page 82 if you're if you're following along with us. And dude, this is so exciting because how many times have people run into this kind of a brick wall when you get so excited about infinite banking, you're like, yes, this is exactly what I was looking for. Oh, wait a minute. This has to do with life insurance. I've been told I can't get the life insurance. Well, I wouldn't say you you just made it out as if everyone couldn't, like lots of people can't get insurance. And I don't think that that's the case. No. I, I would say 90 to 95% of the people that we meet can get life insurance in Easily. some shape or form, yeah. right? Yeah. There, there may be some situations where they're not as healthy um, as they would like to be, right? I mean, we get that a lot. Like, hey, look, I'm a little bit vertically challenged. Like- <laughs> Joe, you know what vertically challenged means? Yeah, I mean, just the, their height hadn't kept up with their weight. Exactly. I'm five, five foot two on their weight, 300 pounds, right? Like, if you were seven foot two, like your the whole height weight chart would be perfect. Got to hit your growth spurt, okay. right? So it, that's sometimes an issue. Like, hey, dude, you think I, I got time to, like, get on the treadmill, work some of this off? And, and sometimes that's an issue, but a lot of times, really, it has underlining to do more to with underlining health issues. Sure. Maybe sometimes where occupations 
or maybe hobbies that you're involved in, flying, scuba diving, that type of stuff, might have some issues. And I will give you one story. Okay. The weirdest decline that I've ever had in the insurance world, I had a guy that got declined because of too many speed tickets. What? Yeah. Dude liked to go fast. He didn't even, He wasn't even a NASCAR fan. <laughs> right? I mean, he just literally had so many speeding tickets, insurance companies like, yeah, I don't know about this guy. Mm. Who would have thought that? I, I didn't know. I was like, man, I guess, thankfully, I know this now. I'm never going to lunch with you. <laughs> right? I mean, that's not an issue. All right, so let's move on though. Let's let's talk about what Nelson talked uh, was sharing with us. What was some nuggets that came from this chapter of what if I'm uninsurable? Well, I mean, the first thing, like I was saying, is this gives hope because if you thought that this wasn't a fit for you, Nelson literally outlines the path that makes it possible, and it just goes to the show that you don't have to be the one insured to implement this process it, this is real estate nelson at, at the baseline was an investor in real estate 100 and when you invest in real estate the three keys to real estate are what location 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 right so you know he's saying look if you're not insurable that's your location is undesirable then let's find another location that is desirable and let's you know let's put whatever uh building on top of it. right so if we're going to build a bank branch let's it's okay if we build it on your wife or a business partner exactly and so that's what I love about this is that it just makes it possible for everybody at this point. And so, but right out of the gate, something that's, before we get into the case study, like he's talking about a father who's uninsurable at 50 years old, buying a policy on his daughter. Before we get to that case study, a couple of things pointed out to me was number one, Nelson is the guy that came up with everything. Okay. Like every, every time. Russ, you and I think we found something new. Like we're like, man, this is a great idea. Like retirement income, psh, we don't believe in that. We're talking about passive income. Turn to page eighty-two. What happens? Nelson says, uh, "We're going to adopt the infinite banking concept to provide passive income." Please notice, I did not say retirement income. I'm dropping that word from my vocabulary, and that to me is just again, just kind of a, a warm reminder of Nelson just the wisdom he had, and uh, and that we're on the right path. Well, and I think that's often overlooked when it comes to life insurance policies is that the cash values, the cash values themselves can be turned into cash flow. We oftentimes talk about on the show how we use that as a warehouse for cash, how we use that as the access to cash that allows us to invest in opportunities to create passive income. But just the tool we're using can be used to create cash flow. And in this example that he he shows here, he goes through that. I don't want to get there yet because I want to keep talking about the fact that we do have scenarios where people are uninsurable. They're looking for options. And this one of this case studies that Nelson went through, he said, hey, you got a 50-year-old who can get insurance, but he's got a, an adult daughter who's healthy that he can buy insurance on. So he shows an example, Joey, of putting in $20,000 a year for 20 years. Right. And, and to me, that is just a, a beautiful picture of somebody saying, okay, I want to implement this. What's another way to do it? And you have an insurable interest in this case. Now, what, let's talk about insurable interest just for a second. We've actually covered this on a previous show, but just before somebody starts wondering, well, could I just insure my neighbor? Like we're really close. Like how does that work? Well, there has to be a financial loss. The insurance companies are there to replace some financial loss. A lot of times it's really easy to think of it as, Oh, I make $100,000 a year. I'm 40 years old. The chances of me working for another 25 to 30 years are pretty high. 
So the insurance company says, okay, well, if this person, individual, uh, dies, the, there would be a loss of $100,000 a year for 25 to 30 years. So they, they come up with a calculation there. They call it the human life value to assign, here's how much death benefit we would allow this family to have. People kind of sometimes are boggled by the fact that there's a limit to how much insurance. And to be honest, the average person on the street would never come close to buying that amount of coverage. But in the infinite banking concept, when we're solving for our need for cash, which again, Nelson said was much greater than our need for death benefit. But when we solve for our need for cash, what we find out is that the insurance company's underwriters will not allow us to have the amount of death benefit which is needed in order for us to put that amount of cash in. That's right. So we have to we have to actually kind of jump a hurdle that most people never have to worry about. But let's let's jump back to this case study. Okay, so you have to have insurable interest in somebody. It typically is a spouse, a child, a business partner. We can talk about that maybe in another uh, another application. But just as we went through this, he he paid twenty thousand dollars. Follow the money for a second. Twenty thousand dollars a year, going into a policy on his daughter, and this was for twenty years. So at the end of that twenty year time frame, it says he starts a passive income cash flow to himself for fifteen more years. Well, so here here's a your. Remember, Nelson would say, you got to understand the characters in the play. Okay. And I, I think we're so used to this, we could like skip over this and assume everybody's with us. Okay. The, who owns the policy? The dad. The dad owns the policy, but the dad is uninsured. So who did he insure? His, his daughter. He insured. She goes by Jill, by the way. So the, in this example, people don't get that, that there could be a different owner and the person that the insurance policy is insured. But who would be the beneficiary of this policy? This case would be the dad. It'd be the dad. So we could own a policy. So I own a policy on you, right? Yep. You're the insured. I own it. I own all the cash. Can you do anything? I mean, I can do a lot of things, but I can't do anything with that policy. You can either do two things. You can, can either live, live or die, right? Yeah. If you live, then I'm going to keep getting access to the cash values. If you die, I'm only going to get access to the death benefit. Let's hope that doesn't well, it's going to happen at some time, and I know where you're going, so I'm excited for you. Just let, Let's just postpone it a little bit. I got a little more use out of you here. <laughs> That's right. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared, though, for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. I want you to go back, but I didn't want to skip over that because that could be just a little nuance that somebody could miss out on. Yeah, yeah, sure. So so then this $20,000 a year he's been putting in, he no longer puts any more premiums in, right? But he starts to take out $28,500. Per year in the form of passive income, right? Saying which, by the way, just just so I can hit on this again, Nelson says passive income is money that comes in every year, and you don't have to do anything to receive it. In fact, 
you can't do anything about it. It just appears. And here's, that's pretty cool. Well, and so you also said that they didn't put any more premiums in. That's right. But they could have. They certainly could have. How, in this case, he did. How, how could one not put in premiums but still have the ability to put in that? That's probably, again, that's a subject matter that not everybody understands. Well, I mean, there's several different ways that you could do that. Uh, in this case, he talks about how um, basically he he gave up the paid-up additions, surrendered the cash values of those paid-up additions as dividends to themselves. I'm sorry. That was a little confusing, even for me, who understands what you're saying, Joey. <laughs> Can I say it a little better? Please. Or say it a little differently, maybe. Not better, just differently. So what he did is he allowed the cash value inside the insurance policy to help pay for the needed costs every year, right? And what does that do? That would reduce how much growth it would have had that year had he put more money in it, which, put more money in it. Which Nelson told us he wished he would not have done the first, whatever it was, 20 years of his original policy because he did that. Uh, but in this case, he's just trying to keep it simple so that we can kind of follow the number. Well, people always ask that question. And I, when I, we talked to Nelson, he would always say the illustrations in the book weren't necessarily meant to be applied. They were meant to be understood. Mm. So if he was paying the $20,000 a year premium and taking out a $28,500 uh, passive income withdrawal, what would happen on the sheet, it would show a negative 8500 That's and, right. And people would be like, wait, where did 8500 come from? Now, if you took 20000 you took 28500 from it, you could come up with a negative, but that may require a little more explaining. That would mean this book, instead of being 80 or 90 pages long, may have to be a couple hundred pages long. And what did Nelson want people to do with this book? He just wanted to take it in and understand. Read it. Exactly. <laughs> right? How many people have books that are sitting on their nightstand that are several hundred pages long that may be full of amazing information, but just looking at the size of it says, eh, not today. Now yeah. go start today. Where this book is so small, people go, dude, I could get through that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's important to know that when you see these examples, sometimes we get that call to say, oh, well, Nelson said to do it this way in the in the book. They're like, no, that's not exactly what was happening. He was trying to make sure it was clear. Now, it does work this way, but imagine, like you said, imagine if you paid the actual premium. What would these cash values grow to? Well, and that's what he says in the last paragraph on this page is that during the payment of uh, the premium payments and withdrawals, Jill could have been using the cash values to finance automobiles, homes, and anything your imagination allows. And it says, if she follows the principles taught earlier in the book, the results would be much greater than depicted in this illustration. So to your point, he's showing us one way and he's saying you, you could make this so much better if you did what we actually teach in this book. All right, so I, I want to walk through the numbers for you as you're driving down the road so you don't have to try to do the math. You got $20,000 a year going in for 20 years, right? Yeah. It, if that's $400,000. Yeah, yeah we're, we're with me on that. So then for 15 years, he takes out 28500 That's right. That's 427000 He's taken out back all the four hundred he put in plus another 27000 now, Joey, how much cash value is left in the policy when he, Nelson said, let's assume he dies at that year, which would have been his age, 85. How much cash value is in the policy? A little over $1.1 Now, there is a death benefit, but the death benefit is on whose life? That's on Jill's life. The on, on the daughter, which is $2.6 at that same time. Now, who then would be the inheritor of this policy? 
Jill would. If he set it up as that the way. owner, as the owner, if he set it up for she, for her to be the contingent owner, it could be his wife, right? He could have set it up. That's right. He, he could set it up where you could be the owner of it. I mean, it could be set up any way you wanted to. The owner gets to decide who the contingent owner is going to be. But in this example, Nelson says the dad puts the the daughter as the contingent owner. So when he dies, he leaves her one point one million dollars in cash. And a death benefit on her own life. And now at this age, she's now 56 years old, right? Yeah. So she now has a life insurance policy of $2.6 million on her life. It doesn't matter if she was a school teacher. It didn't matter if she was, you know, running a, a Fortune 500 company and making $5 million a year. She now has an additional $2.6 million of death benefit. That's amazing. Well, and she didn't pay anything for it. She didn't. It was set up by the system. It was that that concept that the dad had thought about, not only how do I put away cash, I'm going to use and want this cash in the future, but also I would like to leave my daughter something. And this is really interesting. Nelson says this on the book. He says, note that the cash value of this policy is $1.1 million. Now, this sounds a lot like life insurance on the father, doesn't it? Meaning that he has left his daughter a essentially a tax-free amount of cash that wasn't necessarily tied to his life, except that once he's gone, he's no longer the owner. And so he just passed it on to her. Right. So someone who was uninsurable created, in essence, the same equivalent of if he had a life insurance policy worth $1.1 billion. Well, and you and I have talked about this all throughout this book. This was one of those one-liners in the book that was hidden to me before we went back through it and did this review. So I'm so glad we did. Well, Uncovering that helps us think too. What knowing what we know now, right? I think this could be overlooked by the average person. Knowing what we know now, would you rather receive one point one million dollars from a death benefit, or would you rather receive a policy on your life that's twenty, thirty, five years old with a one point one million dollar cash value? I'll take the policy every time. What do you think you might have done differently when you inherited this policy that the daughter didn't? <laughs> I would have been paying premiums like a boss. Because it shows here that the daughter didn't start paying premiums, but at the end, when at her death, it shows how much money that she would have because he says well, once she gets to her age, 70 years old, she inherited it at, you know, at 55, did put a dollar into it at her age 70. She starts taking out $150,000 a year for 20 years in what he would say passive income. And then when she dies, she leaves $2.3 million to her kids or whoever the next generation that she's leaving money to. But if, as we also know, had she been putting premiums in for those 20 years leading up to that, those dollar figures would have been exponentially greater. If she would have been putting dollars into that policy and doing banking, and, yes. and using banking as a function to bring dollars back into her sphere, those dollars would have been even bigger. Well, this this just reiterates, and again, it wasn't the point that Nelson was trying to make here, but reiterates what you and I both know is education, passing down the education of what this asset type will allow you to do, this banking function, is that much more important because he's passed down an asset that if she knew how to use would be even better at the time when she was needing it and using it. So anyways, I, I see that as kind of a behind the scenes of this whole um, 
this whole chapter. Chapter, yeah. Yep. Yeah, good tongue tied. I get there a little bit too. All right. Well, I'm going to say case study. Yeah. Thank you so much for following th- through this book review. We love being able to take you through each one of these sections, letting you know kind of like some of those conversations we had with Nelson regarding these issues, but also being able to dig through and come out with some of that just nuggets that are in there that even us and having read this book, I don't know how many times, 30 times yeah, that I missed that one line that existed when he was saying this was a lot like life insurance. Because when you're reading, you're trying to consume the whole thing as today we're just consuming a couple of pages. So thank you for allowing us to do this and hope you are getting that much closer to having a fuller understanding of how infinite banking can be a tool in your life to set you on the financial freedom highway. As always, thank you for listening. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.